I'm Taylor Burgess, and I want to welcome you uh, to worship with us at Cross Community Church Online. Uh, during this season, out of love for our neighbor and to honor and respect uh, the requests and recommendations of our government, we're not going to be gathering together in person for the foreseeable future, uh, but we're incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to still gather together online. So uh, what we're going to do is, is worship together with a full worship service uh, right there in your living room or from wherever you're watching. Um, this will be like our normal worship services that we have every single week. There's going to be uh, this welcome, and then there's going to be scripture, there's singing, uh, there's going to be time in the Word. And this year as a church family, we've been walking together through a resource called the New City Catechism, which is a series of questions and answers uh, that we use to build strong doctrinal and theological foundations in our faith. Uh, but as excited as we are to continue gathering together in some capacity online, uh, we want to do our best to communicate to you that we are still here to serve you and the needs of your family as best as we possibly can through this season. So there's a number of ways that you can stay connected to us as a church family. If you go to our website, crosscommunity.org, what you'll see on the home screen as you get there is our church's full COVID-19 response plan. We wanna make sure you know how you can stay in communication with us, how you stay in contact with us, and how we can continue to serve uh, the needs of our church family. So go check out our website, crosscommunity.org. Every single week as part of our worship services as well, we typically give out a Next Steps card. And this is important because they're the number one way that we stay communicated with our church, in communication with our church family. Um, so what we've provided for you is an online Next Steps card that's linked uh, to this video as you're watching. Um, so what you can do is share your name, contact information. If you have prayer requests that you'd like to share with us, our staff and our prayer team come around those every single week. If you want to learn more about how to get connected within our church family, uh, fill out that online Next Steps card and our staff will be following up with you throughout the course of the week. We've also, for those of you with kids at home, uh, we have provided uh, resources for parents just to continue uh, leading them in God's word uh, from your own home. So those resources are linked here as well. And then finally, uh, we've given a link for online giving. Uh, we're incredibly grateful for how our church family has continued to just faithfully dig in and give over the course of the past week. And so our desire through this season, no matter how long it is, is to continue driving forward the message of the gospel, serving the needs of our church family and of our local community. Uh, and so we're, we're incredibly grateful for your giving. You can go online. Crosscommunity.org is the easiest way to set up an online donation, uh, or you can drop off or mail a contribution to our church office, and that address is on our website as well. But we love you, we're glad to be with you, and looking forward to worshiping with you today. All right, will you guys stand with me as we begin worship? We're going to go uh, to, the Lord, to the Lord's words, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. God, as we uh, come to worship you today, uh, wherever we may find ourselves, in our living rooms, uh, maybe we're at work, we're on lunch break, wherever we're at. Uh, God, I pray that you would meet us, uh, meet us today, and I know that you are faithful uh, to do that. And so we lift up your name, we glorify you through all that we do. In Jesus' name, we pray.
let us worship our King. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Continue on with our new city catechism, and let me move out of the way. So I'm going to read the question. You guys go ahead and repeat back to me the answer like we normally do. Uh, what does God require in the ninth and tenth commandments? Ninth, that do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, 
that we are content, not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. So this is coming from James 2, 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So the ninth commandment, uh, thinking of lie, not lying before the Lord uh, and others, this is just a, a huge deal as we as people uh, are to be a people of truth. Uh, our God uh, in his created order shows himself in the flesh as the way, the truth, and the life. And, and this is just significant for us because in the person and work of Christ, uh, we see that perfection. And we have a world that speaks very contrary to that. Uh, we, we call ourselves a post-truth nation where somehow we can have multiple truths. Uh, ask your tax collector, you know, um, when you lie on your taxes, if, if he values truth, and you'll find out very quickly uh, when he, you know, when he takes money from your bank account. Uh, so although we would like to claim a post-truth nation, we function in truth. We value truth as a people. When, when a person lies to us, we are, we are hurt. The reason is because truth is ingrained in our hearts. That's what we're supposed to uh, respond to. And then covetousness. Um, when we are not... Um, content in the Lord, when he is basically, uh, we, we think that he has not, um, we think that he has not actually given us what we need. Uh, we find that we are looking to others uh, to provide that, and that is just uh, contrary uh, to what's uh, in our current culture, uh, in our current time. Uh, right now, when the Lord has removed so much from us, uh, we, the temptation is to be discon discontent, as in God isn't providing for you or I uh, directly what we need. And the truth is, He does, and He has, and He will continue to, and we need to continue to relish in that, uh, especially in our times of need, especially in our times of crisis, like right now. And we need to push further into Him, to press into Him, to know that He is provider. Uh, uh, so we don't have to look to others and, and trying to gain something over and above someone or desiring what somebody else has above and beyond us. We need to be content in the Lord. So as we continue to worship right now, uh, let's do that. Let's be content in Him, in His provision. Guys, will you stand as we continue in worship? Me life, your love is all we need. It's all. 
every single circumstance Lord your promise stands your love is all we need it's all we need my heart is bruised wounded and lonely my God I need you now to hold me in this moment and show that you are for me reading for today is from Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. So please read with me. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, 
but they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and uh, we are in need of you. Uh, we are always in need of you. Um, I thank you that, that you have made a way for us uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, right now, I just pray that we will take a moment, we'll reflect on um, what your Holy Spirit would do in our lives, and that we will just admit any of our sins that we need to before you, and that we will be open to, to your word. Um, in the song we just sang, it said, you shield us in the cover of your wings. And what a beautiful picture that is, um, that no matter what is going on in this world, that you protect us, you cover us, and uh, you sustain us. God, we, we trust you in that, and we trust that you will continue to sustain us moving forward. God, I pray that you will um, just speak through Taylor in this message as we look at Acts, as we look at the early church and how they were meeting in homes and they were meeting everyone's needs. I pray that you will raise us up to do the same in whatever uh, capacity that might look like. In your name we pray. Amen. everybody. I want to invite you to turn with me uh, in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 4 uh, is where we're going to be together. Um, those of you who have been a part of our church family or maybe spent a little bit of time with us for the past several weeks, what we've been doing as a church is we've been working through a message series called Fuel and Fire, where we were studying the core doctrines of the Christian faith, what we believe, why we believe it, why it matters, what it means for our lives. Um, but over the last several days, a few things have changed, uh, if you haven't noticed. And so as the situation around us has changed, our plans have changed. And we feel like this is a really unique season for not just our church, but for the global church. And that the Lord is just gonna do a very unique work in the midst of the circumstances that we're facing right now. And so what we wanna do as a church family, as best as possible, is to press into that, is to lean into that, and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, for the next few weeks, uh, maybe even a few more weeks after that, we're gonna go a little bit of a different direction, and we're gonna be looking at all we need as followers of Christ to continue driving forward the message of the gospel, fulfilling the Great Commission uh, that Jesus has given to us. There's a game that, uh, that I, I've played several times, you've probably played in some capacity in different ways, uh, that's really a, sort of a desert island scenario where we might ask the question, hey, if you were stranded on a desert island, what three things would you need to survive? So if you're more uh, of an outdoors person, you might say, hey, just give me like a Swiss army knife and uh, an emergency blanket and maybe a water filtration system. If you're more indoorsy, you might be like, hey, give me a weighted blanket and an iPhone uh, and an Amazon Prime subscription. And uh, if you're Tom Hanks, you might say, give me an ice skate and a porta potty panel uh, and a volleyball and I'll be good to go. And so depending on your personality, depending on your gifting, and depending on your circumstances, we might have different answers. But uh, several weeks back, earlier this year, I asked our church family uh, a very similar question along those lines. And the question essentially amounted to, what does the church need to survive? 
What are the essentials for uh, the message of the gospel to be able to be proclaimed and for the mission of God to be fulfilled to the ends of the earth? And the way we framed the question was just like this. If we took everything that we held dear about Sunday morning, everything that we love about Sunday morning, if we took our facilities, and if we took our programs, our kids' ministry programs and student ministry programs, if we took the events and the activities that we do for adults and for children, if we took out the production and planning element that we pour so much time and energy into on a Sunday morning, if we stripped all of those things away and all we were left with was somebody who was going to stand up and open up God's word, proclaim the gospel, and show us how it points us to Jesus Christ and how we live our lives in response, if that's the only thing that was going to happen. We asked our church family, just be honest with yourself. Would we still show up? Would that be enough? Now, um, never in a billion years did I anticipate or did I want <laughs> in any capacity for those words to become prophetic. And yet here we are in this exact same situation. We're to a place right now as not just our church family, but as the church culture at large, followers of Jesus, in a situation where we have Jesus and we have his word and we have each other. But what we're gonna see today in Acts chapter four is a picture of that. It is an early band of Jesus followers who were in a situation where they had Christ and they had his word and they had each other and it was not just enough, it was more than enough to continue driving forward the message of the gospel in spite of the situation and circumstances that they were in. Right now, we're facing a lot of very unique challenges that, that many of us never even imagined. As a pastor, I've never imagined the scenario that we found ourselves in as a church family this week, that all pastors everywhere are finding themselves in. And even as followers of Jesus, it's really easy to start giving in to some of the fear, to start giving in to some of the panic, to give in to some of the anxiety, and give in to some of the worry, because a lot of us, maybe many of you in here this tonight, or, or they'll be watching this weekend, but we're in a situation where we're worried and what's gonna to happen to my job? How am I going to pay my bills? What's gonna happen with our family? How in the world do I homeschool my kids? And can I do it much longer without losing my sanity? We're all experiencing things like this, and there's lots of legitimate fears that we're bringing to the table. And what needs to happen, I think, right now, with all of the people of God across our culture, across our world, is that we're in a situation where we need to take a long, hard look into the empty tomb, and to be reminded of the God who will not be shaken regardless of the circumstances. And he's given us Jesus, he's given us his word, and he's given us each other. And this is all we need. This is all we need to fulfill the mission that he's given us to the ends of the earth. So let's read again from Acts chapter four, verse 32. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They had everything with common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need." The book of Acts is a really remarkable book. It's, it tells the story of the birth of the church after Christ has, had ascended into heaven. And so we go to Acts chapter one and we see Christ parting words to his disciples. He'd given them a promise. He said, I, you're gonna receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the reason they were gonna receive power was to be his witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so in Acts 2, we see this picture of 120 believers gathered together in a home on their knees, doing what Jesus told them to do, which was to pray and to wait for the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon each one of them and they begin to miraculously speak the gospel in other languages so that people who are gathered from all over the world were able to hear the gospel in their tongue and went about proclaiming that Jesus had risen. And on this day, 3,000 people came to know Christ. That the early church is just exploding onto the scene through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the word. And then in Acts 3, the believers start to endure some persecution. They start to face some opposition from the religious leaders. That Peter had been standing up proclaiming that the same Jesus that they had put to death, condemned as a criminal, had risen from the grave. But in spite of the opposition and the persecution that they face, the book of Acts shows us that the believers prayed for boldness, that they didn't pray to be free, they didn't pray for comfort, that they didn't pray for for an easier road. They prayed for boldness. They counted themselves worthy to suffer for the gospel. And we see them continue to gather together and to pray and to advance the gospel. And as they pray towards the end of Acts chapter four, the ground around them was shaken. And this picture we see here when we get to Acts 4.32 is what's happening among this group of believers. And we see that God has given them all that they needed to advance the gospel forward. He's given all that we need today. We see first here from Acts 4, we have all we need and first we have Jesus. We have Jesus. This says here that the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed Not just for his disciples, he prayed for all who would believe in him. And what was his prayer for those who believed in him? That they would be one. And here in Acts chapter four, Jesus's prayer has been answered. He prayed that they would be one. And what made them one, what united them together, was their common belief in Jesus Christ. It was the blood of Jesus running through their veins. And this is what unites every single one of us as followers of Christ. Brothers and sisters of the same heavenly father, we, the church, our bodies, we're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and the very temple of God. And we have the blood of Jesus running through our veins. He had prayed for his church that they would be one. And here they are united together in the gospel as one. And this is such an important word for us. How important is it for us to know on this particular weekend, this specific week today, how much do we need to be reminded, how badly do we need to be reminded that the church is not a place, the church is people. That the church is not a building, it's a body. The church is not an activity that we do one day a week, it's an identity that we embrace every single day and what is going to determine the rise or the fall of the church in our nation and churches all over the world, what's gonna determine the rise or the fall in the coming days and weeks and months ahead is whether or not we actually believe that that is true. Do we believe that the church is greater than a building? Because if we don't, then the church is going to fail and the church is going to fall. This last week, the Lord has taken a sledgehammer to every idol in American culture. He's demolished our altars of comfort and of convenience and of consumerism. It's all gone right now. As a nation, he's taken a wrecking ball to our arrogance, to our pride, to our self-sufficiency. And he's bringing us to a place of total dependency on him. The church in our nation has been asleep. We've been lulled to sleep by playing church and doing church and just slipping in and out of buildings one day a week. We've been lulled to sleep, but right now, 
the alarm is sounding. The alarm is sounding, and you and I have two choices. We can keep hitting the snooze button and keep going back to sleep, or we can get out of our beds, we can take up our crosses, and we can follow the one who's overcome the grave. And this is the picture that our world desperately needs to see right now. Christ is our all. He's our all. Jesus says of himself in John eleven twenty five. 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The resurrection is not just something Jesus did. The resurrection is who he is. It's all that we need, and his resurrection is what unites us as one. Let's read together uh, from verse 33. Scripture says, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So God has given us Jesus, and second, we also have his word. We've been given Jesus, and we have his word. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, let's, let's make sure we read what this doesn't say from this particular passage. This is really important for us to understand. It doesn't say with great power, the apostles were winning people with their charm and their wit and their charisma. It doesn't say with great power, they were drawing people in with programs and events and activities. It doesn't say with great power, they were wowing people with a Sunday morning environment and production. It doesn't say with great power, they were drawing people in with invitations to see their impressive buildings. It says with great power, they were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Because the church is not built on the architecture of man. The church is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our sure foundation. Church, you and I are not the cornerstone. Jesus is. Our buildings are not the cornerstone. Jesus is. He's the one that's holding all of this together and building it from the ground up. And the word we've been given, the testimony that we've been given, is that he's overcome and conquered the grave. There's something that I think we really need to put in perspective together this weekend. It is so important for us to understand. You know, things for us right now, are a little bit inconvenient. There's a lot that's changed about the day-to-day rhythms of our lives, but we have to understand, even what we're experiencing right now is not even close to what our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ are enduring worldwide. Doesn't even scratch the surface. What we're experiencing right now is frustration. What they're experiencing is persecution. We have brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ globally who are losing their lives for the advance and the spread of the gospel. What drives them forward today? What is it that drives them forward? What drove this small band of Jesus followers to go toe-to-toe with the Roman Empire and dig in against religious persecution? I'll tell you what it was. They saw an empty tomb. They believed in the testimony of the one who overcame the grave. When you go into Revelation chapter 12 and we see Satan thrown down, we see the accuser thrown down, what is it that throws him down? It's the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony of the saints. God has given us Jesus and he's given us his word. And there's two incredible marks of the church here that we see in Acts chapter four. It's that they had great power and they had great grace. Great power and great grace. They spoke the unapologetic truth of the resurrection and they showed unconditional love in the face of opposition. They were known for great grace and great truth. You know, sometimes I look at my own life and 
and I look at uh, the, the day-to-day of our churches as how, just how we operate as followers of Jesus in our, our culture. And, and, and man, sometimes I just wonder, is anyone around us truly seeing the power of God at work? Really seeing the power of God on display? How much of this is actually just our own strength versus how much of this is actually God moving? There's a, a quote from Jim Elliott that I've shared with our church family uh, every single year, once a year since we began a few years ago. And I, I think it's really timely from where we are today. And so I want to share it again. Elliot wrote in the middle of the 20th century, he went on to be a martyr for Christ in the advance of the gospel. He said, we are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace while we profess to know a power the 20th century does not reckon with, but we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, but brass outspoken boldness is required to take part in the comradeship of the cross. We are sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. The world cannot hate us. We are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. When the world sees us, do they see a picture of power? And one of the ways we can know that we're operating in the power of God is that we're a people of grace. Even even in in the face of opposition, even in the face of of persecution, what what sets Christians apart isn't that we don't have difficult circumstances, is that we are grace under fire. We, we model grace, we're patient, we're confident, we walk with dignity, we, we love our enemies, we pray for our persecutors. This is the picture we see in Acts chapter two. If you wanna turn back with me a couple of pages, we see a, a very similar uh, picture in Acts two, uh, verses 42 through 47. Again, just a, a picture of the early Jesus followers, how they interacted with each other and how they interacted with the outside world. It says in Acts two forty-two that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and look at this, having favor with all the people. That the outside world saw this picture and they had favor with everyone who was around them. And here is the result of this. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Did y'all know that people can get saved like outside of Sunday? Like, and sometimes I look at our church culture and I wonder this. I wonder if, if we understand that like, hey, the Holy Spirit's not actually confined to what we do as a church on Sunday morning. Man, what if what happened in these next several weeks is we, we have the opportunity to, to spread the message of the gospel online in a different way, but what if what happened over these next several weeks is we're forced more into our homes, more into our neighborhoods, out of our weekly rhythms, drawing and, and pushing the, the message of the gospel online. What if what happened is we saw people coming to know Christ day by day? that we got outside of the rut of thinking that people can only get saved on Sunday. And that day by day through the ministry of the gospel, we see people come to faith in Christ. We're in a season that requires great grace. We're in a season that requires great grace. We're, we're gonna need grace together as families. Like, is anybody else just sick of being in the house with, with your family yet already? Like we're like three days into this, right? And it's just, it's, it's, it's already becoming a struggle. We're gonna need grace with our, our children learning to teach them at home. We need grace with their teachers. 
I mean, can, can we, while we're on that subject, can we just collectively agree, teachers and homeschool parents, y'all should make like a billion dollars a year, right? I mean, it's just, it's absolutely unreal. We're gonna need grace with our teachers. We're gonna need grace with our government. We're gonna need patience with it. Nobody said amen to that, you know? Like, we, but man, we, we need grace and we need patience with, with our leaders because they're being faced with huge decisions that could impact our country for generations. We need to pray for them and lift them up. You could maybe have grace with your pastor who's never led a church through a global pandemic before and has mostly had no idea what he's doing for the vast majority of this week, yet here we are. It's such an incredible picture we see here in verses 34 and 35 that this early, early band of Jesus followers, how they're interacting with each other, says there was not a needy person among them. You just think about that for just a second. There was no one among them who was without need. Not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. God's given us all that we need. We have Jesus. We have his word. Third, we see here, we have each other. We have each other. There was not a needy person among them. Uh, Effie Marsh has written a a modern day, rewritten a modern day uh, commentary. If we had to rewrite Acts chapter four in modern day terms, he he wondered what might we have to say instead of what we find in scripture. And this was really his uh, somewhat of a a satirical take on this and also a lament of our current church culture. He believed we had to rewrite this for modern day church. It would say, and the multitude of them that professed were of hard heart, and stony soul, and everyone said that all the things which he possessed were his own, and they had all the things in the passion, in the fashion. With great power they gave witness to the attractions of this world, and great selfishness was upon them all. And there were many among them that lacked love, for as many as were possessors of lands bought more, and sometimes gave a small part thereof for a public good, so their names were heralded in the newspapers, and distribution of praise was made to everyone according as he desired." Is this true of us? Is this true of us? Could could we say the same thing that we find in Acts 4, that there's not a needy person among us? I've got a planner uh, that I fill out every single morning, and and part of that planner, filling it out in the the beginning of the day, involves asking this one question. If you had to do today over again, what would you do differently? And you answer this question in the morning because what you're trying to force yourself to do is think about the end of the day and the things that you want to be able to say you didn't do that day, things that you wanted to say that you, you avoided so that you're, you're thinking about how can I approach my day most productively and channel my time and my energy and my focus into the very best things. And so I, I wanna invite us to do a very similar exercise here for just a moment. Just for, for however long this whole situation continues on. So whether it takes two weeks or two months or two years, but we have no idea where this is going now, but I want us to think in these terms. As followers of Jesus, when we get to the end of this, what do we want to be able to look back and say about how we responded? Because this is, I think, important for us to understand that that a lot of the legitimacy of the witness of, of Christians to the message of the gospel is gonna be determined by how we respond in this season. And what if when we got to the end of all of this, it could be said that we weren't hoarders, we were helpers that we weren't greedy, we were generous, that we weren't selfish, we were selfless, and that we weren't faithless, we were fearless, so that no one went without need. 
we lived with an open-handed, sacrificial generosity, trusting in our God who would provide all of our needs and that he would sustain the needs of his people. Because you know, hoarding and greed and selfishness, all of this is rooted in fear. Every bit of that is rooted in, in fear. And, and listen, church, resurrection people don't live in fear. We live in faith. But this has to be an all-hands-on-deck thing. Like, this is not just something that I can do or just something that you can do. Man, absolutely no one can be sitting on the sidelines to capture a vision of having no one among us who's without need. Look again at verses 34 and 35, okay? It doesn't say that there were needs, and so the apostles called the people at the church office and said, hey, y'all need to handle this. Like, everybody got involved in this. People said, hey, I got extra land. I can sell that. What can we do with that? How can we help people with this? I got an extra house. I don't need that right now. Like, how can I give that up so that we, we can help others with, with what we have? It was an open-handed, sacrificial, kingdom-minded generosity. This isn't just a me thing or a you thing. It's an us thing. It's every single follower of Jesus taking responsibility. We see needs and we meet needs. What is gonna be said of the people of God when we get to the end of this? How we cared for each other and how we cared for our community. We can't live tight-fisted. We have to live open-handed because tight-fisted living is rooted in fear. Open-handed living is rooted in faith. Amen. Our world's scared, and a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world yeah. needs a fearless church. That's what A.W. Tozer said. And this is what we're striving to be, is to be a fearless church. Church, understand, our God is undefeated against impossible circumstances. Amen. That empty tomb is the reminder that there is absolutely no situation that is too difficult for overcome. And what you and I have been handed is the very best opportunity for the spread of the gospel in the 21st century. So we are not retreating, we are advancing. Because you cannot put travel restrictions on the Holy Spirit. You don't modify the hours of the Great Commission. You cannot quarantine a risen Christ. The doors of our buildings right now might be closed, but the stone of that tomb is still rolled open. And as long as that tomb is empty, the church of Jesus Christ is never closed. Church, this is our moment. We have to understand, this is our moment. We were made for this. Cross Community Church, we were built on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been made to last. We've, we've built on the foundation of who Jesus is and what his word says and what it means to be in community with each other. And this is our moment to put the gospel on display to show the love of Christ to the world around us, to live selfless, generous lives. We gotta be a fearless church because that's what our world needs right now. But this is our moment because you, you go back and you study the movement of God in history. It's, it's always at the least likely of times in the least likely of ways through the least likely of people. Our God shows up and he shows out. And this is his moment. And he's inviting us to participate in what he's doing. He's torn down our altars and he's brought us to our knees to cry out in dependence on him. And so regardless of, of where you are today, individually, regardless of, of where you're watching this from, here, here's my hope, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that this morning we would just, or tonight, wherever you're watching this, that, that we would get to a place where we are just reminded of the empty tomb and we determine right now that we're gonna anchor down that we're gonna cling to Christ, that we're gonna hold on to him through this season. If you're not a follower of Jesus, our invitation to you is to believe in Jesus, Amen. to call on his name, to not be overcome by the fear and the panic and the anxiety of this world, 
God's inviting you into relationship with him to turn from your sin, to turn from your fear and to call on him and be saved and participate in his mission, to be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit, to proclaim his good news to the ends of the earth. So church, this is what I wanna ask us to do right now. Again, there's some of us that are gathered in, together in this room and this is what we're gonna do. And wherever you're watching this from at, at home or you might be sitting in bed late at night and, and you gotta move around a little bit, but this is what I wanna ask every single one of us to do. We're in a place right now where God has torn down our altars. He's, he's torn down every single one of our aisles. I he think he's, he's brought us to this place of weakness and he's inviting us once again to the place where we will get on our knees and be totally reliant and dependent on him. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. Wherever you are, so all of us in this room, wherever you are at home, we wanna invite you to, to get on our knees together as a church and we're gonna cry out to God and ask him to move during this season as we, we begin to close our time together in worship. So Father, it is the prayer of your people that the posture we're in physically right now would also be the position of our hearts. Lord, break our hearts for you. We, we in so many ways, Father, as a, a church culture, we, we've forgotten you and we've turned our backs on you and we've abandoned you and you've reminded us in these past weeks that there is absolutely nothing we can depend and rely on but you. Father, we, we think of ourselves so strong. We think of ourselves so independent. We think of ourselves so, so powerful, Lord. And, and in the bat of an eye, Lord, you have buckled our entire country in the matter of a week. And you've brought us back to the place where once again, we have to depend on you. You've taken away so much of what we hold dear to as Christians in this culture. And you've brought us back to the place where all we have is your son and your word and each other. Father, help us to see today that this is enough. Help us to know today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that by getting on our knees in prayer, by inviting your power and your strength in our lives and our community, Lord, that you are gonna give us all that we need, not just to survive this season, but to thrive. Lord, that we'll, we'll see many awaken to new life in you. Father, that's our cry and that's our desire is that through the most unlikely of circumstances, you would show up and you would show out in a way that makes it abundantly clear that only you could have intervened. Lord, we ask you to do a work so powerful, to do a work so miraculous in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our nation in these days that we have no choice but to look back and know that you carried us through. Lord, bring us to the place of dependency and keep us here. Father, help us to rely on you, to depend on you, to renounce every other idol, to renounce every other comfort, to renounce every other God, to call out on your name, and so, Lord, that's what we do right now. We cry out to you and we ask, Lord God, will you move on our behalf? Will you move through your people in our community, in our nation, in our world, so that everyone will know that there is a God in heaven who sees and who knows and who acts on behalf of his children. So, Father, we submit this season to you. We ask that we would be sensitive to your leading. Father, wherever you're going is where we wanna go. Help us to open our hearts and our minds and our ears to what your word has to say to us. Father, help us to, to surrender our, our desires, to surrender our will, to surrender our plans. Lay it all at your feet, Lord, and will you reinfuse our minds with your kingdom agenda so that we're pursuing what you want and what you will in this world. So Holy Spirit, 
Have your way in our church. Have your way in our lives. Fill us with your strength and your power that we can faithfully proclaim your gospel and the testimony of the resurrection to the ends of the earth. Be glorified in our church family and sustain your people through this season. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let's stand together and continue and close out tonight in worship.
Church family, it's been good uh, to worship with you at a distance a little bit this week. Those of you who are here, thank you for being here to worship. And don't forget, uh, as you go, you can go to our church website, crosscommunity.org. That's got our full church uh, COVID-19 response plan, how we're continuing to serve you, uh, how we want to remain in contact with you. Um, That is there. Uh, There's also kids ministry resources attached to this video as well for parents. Uh, Make sure you check those out. Those are things that you can use at home. Uh, Online giving is very easy, crosscommunity.org. Thank you so much for just your generosity and your faithfulness, uh, continuing to support our church family. And don't forget about that online Next Steps card as well. If there's any way that we can pray for you, communicate with you throughout the week, our staff is continuing to work hard uh, and do everything that we can to continue meeting the needs of our church family. So uh, as uh, as we go... Like we do every single week, I'm losing my voice, and it's annoying. As we go, uh, we're going to do what we do every week, which is to say together our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, which is a statement of our intent, what we desire to be as followers of Christ. So let's say this together. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing as we go. you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Guys, we love you so much and we'll see you next week.